Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, hey yo, fellas out there, welcome to the final thoughts for week 13, and this is maybe the best slate on the entire year. You have your plays that are very obvious to a lot of people, and that's fine, but if you're playing GPPs, we want the leverage, and we're here to give it to you in this video, and not just talking about running backs, receivers, tight ends. There's great leverage everywhere. If you follow me on Twitter, we've been tweeting out some nuggets so far as of this recording, as of this time in the week, and it's only going to get better as more and more people consume the chalkier play which are really good plays but too many of those plays right and even the quarterback position this week yeah you have your obvious same as same old tampa bay the rams the highest team totals the only team totals approaching 30 the only team totals that seem to be above 27 this week those ones stand out as like your your obvious stacks in some regards although the rams we'll see we'll talk about them really not picking up too much ownership relative to what they should be but then there's a lot of other quarterbacks and depending on the contest that you play in out there right if you're playing in a a smaller field single entry a, a mid-size there's a lot of other quarterbacks you can get away with this week because of their price tags and how they project out relative to most again no Josh Allen on the slate no Aaron Rodgers on the slate Russell Wilson has been struggling Lamar Jackson is priced up Kyler coming off the injury there's there's a lot to go through this week especially with an extra game on the schedule 11 game slate so I'm excited for this week we're gonna go position by position like we normally do and we're about to slide into it the only thing I'll point out right now is if you want a chance to win a hundred dollar rooskies into a raffle each week rate this podcast.com slash sal the banner comes up on the youtube channel if you're on the podcast even easier you go to that site rate this podcast.com slash sal it takes about 30 seconds from there to just leave a five-star rate and a review it bumps us up the rankings and we might we might be able to crack into the top 20 with the espns and the cbs is up there for fantasy podcast so i appreciate that in advance you get a chance at a hundred dollars and with that being said capiche from me let's slide into the quarterback position so here is the quarterback position and most of the interests are being shown on the screen right now the only ones that are not are going to be they don't fit on the screen Daniel Jones and Tua who I also like so here's your plays up top that are let's say maybe your obvious plays if you watch this top stacks video you kind of have an idea here so we won't be too I would say uh, overlapping in that regard but up top you're gonna have Stafford Brady and Der or Stafford Brady and Herbert as like your obvious plays the quarterbacks who have won a lot of slates this year each of those guys has probably won two or three slates in their own right and because of that reason right there I mean we're 12 weeks into the season because of that reason right there each of these teams has been on by yeah they're going to be good plays I do think that Matthew Stafford is going to give you the most leverage this week I think that that is the best on paper stack if you want to say how often does a stack win the slate I'd say the Rams probably win the slate like 15 percent of the time but note 15 percent of the time is 15 percent of the time 85 percent of the time you're not going to win with Stafford in there you're not going to win the slate right but it's relative to everybody else in the slate so just keep that in mind when I say that so he does look good and when you're talking about leverage I do think you're going to get leverage here people don't want to run back to Jacksonville players people don't want to continue to go to Stafford because they think he's letting them down even though last week he had 300 yards and three touchdowns he has a great matchup this week against Jacksonville's bottom five secondary it's a good spot overall and all of his pass catchers all of Stafford's pass catchers Cooper Cup going under owned eh, he's going to be 18 20 percent owned it's under owned for his 30 percent chance of being in optimals because people want to play Jonathan Taylor Alexander Madison Joe Mixon at similar price ranges whereas to me Cooper Cup is the most secure of all those guys right I mean the Cooper Cup at this point has just been balling out every single week right 10 targets over 90 receiving yards in in 10 out of 11 games at this point continues to dominate even in weeks where he's not producing he's scoring 20 points quote-unquote not producing Odell gets the price bump he'll be on under owned this week you get Tyler Higby the tight end who's only 3,800 
100, running 40 routes per week as a tight end each of the over his last four games on average. And he's not going to be on. He's going to be like 4% on because people don't want to go there. So there's a lot of leverage, in my opinion, on Matthew Stafford and his individual players. I have Stafford currently coming in right now at about 8% ownership. I think that that's fair. I think that it's probably a fair in terms of giving us some leverage. I think that that number should be closer to 15%. So Stafford looks good. Brady looks good. These are the obvious things. There's no Antonio Brown. Rob Gronkowski on the underneath passes looks nice. What do you run back on Atlanta, though? An expensive Cordell Patterson? I'm not feeling it. A, a limited ceiling Russell Gage or Olmedid Zacchaeus? I'm not feeling it. Or a Kyle Pitts who's struggling to do anything these days because cornerbacks are on him. So Tampa Bay with the highest team total on the slate at 31 is an appealing stack, but I don't really want to run it back. Like Tom Brady plus Gronk is kind of the only way I want to go with that. Chris Godwin is overowned. I like Chris Godwin. Penn State's own, right? I like Chris Godwin a lot, but I don't want to be playing a 15%, 16% on Chris Godwin, where if he has a decent day, he's already owned. It's there. So I guess if you want to put a receiver in that stack with a Rob Gronkowski from Tampa Bay, I lean to Mike Evans, who should be, I don't know, 8% owned to Chris Godwin, 16%. You get more leverage on the stack in general there. And you cross your fingers that Leonard Fournette doesn't run in three more touchdowns and, and Ronald Jones doesn't. But Tom Brady, that being said, Tom Brady is going to have ownership. Tom Brady likely comes in as the highest owned quarterback this week at somewhere around, I would assume, 15, at probably close to in most contests, 12 to 15% owned in the smaller field stuff, probably towards the 20% owned number. So I do think that you're not going to be getting all that much leverage on Tom Brady this week. Whereas I do think you'll get some decent leverage, especially on the stacks more so because of the other players in those stacks for the Rams. So those are like your two obvious ones. Now, Derek Carr is a name on here that I do think is strongly in play. Derek Carr, a nice 26 point in team ply total. Derek Carr so far this year throwing right now 38 times per game coming off of a good game. The problem starts to become who do you stack this guy up with if Darren Waller is out? No Henry Ruggs. We don't trust Brian Edwards. It starts to become this single sack. You can stack him up with a cheap punt tight end and Foster Moreu, who's not that great of an athlete, probably goes over on this week. It's mainly going to be Hunter Renfro. So Derek Carr will be low owned. Hunter Renfro is going to be relatively low owned, like 10% owned because people still don't trust that this guy is good, even though every single week, week in and week out, he's looking great. He's my number one wide receiver value this week. So he looks good there. So Derek Carr starts to become this player that, and maybe not in small field tournaments, honestly, in any tournament, really, I was going to say midsize, but in any tournament, you can get away with Derek Carr because of his price tag. I do think he'll offer you some sort of leverage on this slate. And when you're looking at how this slate breaks down, I think every single one of these quarterbacks looks pretty damn similar in terms of getting into optimal lineups, factoring in their price points. That's why I think this week is really good. And you can start to take advantage of some leverage. So one of those guys will be Derek Carr. Another one that's not currently pictured on the screen, and we can scroll to it, is Tua. At the bottom of the screen, Tua, and a strong matchup against the New York Giants this week, projects out for me right now as my number one point per dollar play tied with Derek Carr. So depending on the contest you're playing, and Tua can also be a yes, and he's very close to becoming a yes for me this week. He's going to have a solid matchup. I mean, Tua's going to go out there this week, and he's going to be facing the number 31 ranked pass rush, right? This offensive line is the worst in the NFL. Miami's offensive line is dead last in the NFL. So Tua's been operating fine even with that, right? And now you're going to be getting the second worst pass rush coming in against that offensive line. It means two is actually going to have time to throw for a guy who's already been producing nicely. Now, why does Tua become a good play? Well, the, the projection looks decent on Tua, some mobile upside, but the biggest thing is that he's not going to be owned. Like Tua is going to be about 3% owned with like, I would say a six to 7% chance of winning the slate, which gives you some nice leverage. So Tua is an interesting name at 5,500. Out of those quarterbacks between Taylor Heineke, Daniel Jones, and Tua, I think all of them are going to give you leverage. I think people aren't going to stoop down to that price range. They'll stay around that price range of the Joe Burrows, of the Derek Cars, who are fine plays, of the Kirk Cousins, who are, again, fine plays. But if they're going to pick up a little bit more ownership, I do think that this Tua, Daniel Jones, Taylor Heineke price range looks pretty appealing. Now, Daniel Jones dealing with his own injury, his quarter, his wide receivers all banged up, makes it murkier and not as appealing to go to him over a Taylor Heineke or a Tua. So Taylor Heineke and Tua in this price range look very, very appealing. One, 
you're getting the cheap price on them. Two, they're both projecting out as nice plays. The one problem I would say, and the reason I lean Tua over Taylor Heineke, is this Washington football team is just playing so damn slow. And now without J.D. McKissick out there, even more rushing attempts in line for Antonio Gibson, slowing the pace of the game down more. They play so slow. Like, Seattle plays ungodly slow in terms of record-setting slow these past, like, three or five years. But the Washington football team is not that far behind in, teams, in terms of the amount of plays per game they're getting off, which obviously limits the upside of Taylor Heineke. It means that he has to be more efficient for a guy who's not known to be efficient. So if you're looking for some of these cheaper quarterbacks who in really any format small field midfield larger field if you're looking for them i'd probably go less so there in larger field that's really to joe burrows and these non-pocket passers you can double stack more easily become more appealing but in mid-size to small field tournaments Derek carr two of these guys are giving you nice price discounts with clear stacking options carr and renfro and foster Mario if you wanted to and then i would say for two it's just strictly jay lamato we'll see or mike gasecki but strictly jay lamato for the most part gasecki likely gives you some leverage though if you wanted to go there instead now I, I talk about single entries i talk about single and double stacking and some guys who start to become a little bit more appealing if I scroll back up in those larger field tournaments, right? All these guys are basically appealing in, in smaller field tournaments to me. It just depends on what you do with the rest of your lineup because I think a lot of these guys are leverage. But the Justin Herberts, the Joe Burrows, the Kirk Cousins in your larger field tournaments, these guys who I know Herbert has some mobile upside. You saw a 90 yard rushing game a few weeks back. But for the most part, these quarterbacks who are going to throw the ball a ton 40 times per game right now for Herbert and don't have mobility. Joe Burrow, he's not throwing a ton right now, but this in pace, this game environment you hope would lead to a little bit more of a shootout and more so the fact that he's a pocket passer. So that's why it's large fields. We know that you can run on the Chargers, so it could easily be the third straight 30 touch game for Joe Mixon, right? But Kirk Cousins, Joe Burrow, those types of quarterback builds where if they get there, if they're going to be putting up a 25 to 30 point day, it's basically all through the air. I know Burrow can get these goal line touchdowns, but for the most part, it's through the air. So that's where I start to go. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, add in a T Higgins. Uh, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase, I love this week, by the way, add in a CJ Ozoma. Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, add in a Tyler Conklin, or just go with the Justin Jefferson and hope that he's having that massive ceiling game like he did against the Packers. So those guys are the Burrows, the Kirk Cousins, more so in my larger field tournaments. Herbert, you can get to in single entries because he's a little bit cheaper there. Uh, I would be stacking him up primarily Keenan Allen and Mike Williams there on that end. So in terms of where I'm going overall, Stafford and Brady, they look like the best stacks. I think Stafford is the best overall stack on the entire week as of this recording but there's a lot of ways depending on the contest you're playing and again keep that in mind to get different the millie maker type contests Tua, joe burrow kirk cousins strongly in play the one guy that i don't really know what to do with but i do like because he's not picking up ownership this week lamar jackson he's probably more so a small field single entry type play just run him naked if you want to stack him with only hollywood brown or probably only mark andrews his, his pass catchers just don't look good this week rashad bateman's losing snaps to devin duvernay sammy Watkins is basically dust marquise brown is overpriced and proper owned uh, same thing for mark andrews so it, the only thing that I would probably do with Lamar Jackson is I think he's going to be really low owned because of his price tag. Maybe just run him naked in a small field contest. So that's where the quarterback slate breaks down to me. Before we move to the running backs, I'll talk about some quarterback props I've taken. I've taken Joe Burrow. It's this game environment, right? I've already taken and I'm doubling down. I took it over 275 and a half on a previous video for Justin Herbert. Now I have him at 279 and a half passing yards. And in the same game, we're hoping for the shootout here, which if Mixon runs it 30 times, this might not happen. But I do have these guys both projected for over these numbers. I have Joe Burrow over 231 and a half passing yards so we combine those together we use the code sal we get a free bet up to hundred dollars this is prizepicks.com they have a lot more props throughout the weekend not just for nfl but a bunch of sports you can take fantasy props as well so if you use the code sal you get a free bet up to hundred dollars use it or lose it basically as we're heading into the new year and i'm sure they're gonna have more promotions coming out but different promotions sal sal free bet up to hundred dollars that's the quarterbacks we'll have more as we go through the wide receivers and running backs that i do like so now since we talked about the running backs let's slide and transition into the running back position did not even mean to set the 
the rhymes there, right? Uh, your boy Big Sally V here on the beats, but did not even mean to hit that that mean verse. I mean, slide in and transition into the running back position. I got some mean verses out there. I don't want to be ghostwriting and giving them away for free. So if you need them, let me know. But this is what we're doing here. This is not for cash games. If you are a cash game player, yes, I'm going to have a, a, more interest in Jonathan Taylor, a lot more interest in some of the other names that are, you're not going to see featured at the top of this list, like maybe a Joe Mixon or an Antonio Gibson. But these are the guys, again, another fucking rhyme right there. Mixon to the Antonio Gibson. Oh my God. But Alexander Madison up top right now. I like him. Alexander Madison. Yes, he is going to pick up ownership. He is probably going to be. I currently have Alexander Madison coming in for, let's see, 15% ownership. On my projections on Patreon, you get them down below. Go ahead, get the ownership projections. Improve your game. The optimizer, the Discord with a ton of members, a thousand members or so. So be sure to get up in there on Patreon. But Alexander Madison right now, he's expensive. The matchup is great. Seven point favorite with a 27 implied team total. I don't have to tell you the dead last ranked uh, run, run stop from Detroit. But the bigger thing here when we're talking about GPPs, not just the surface stack and the narrative to put around it is that I think Alexander Madison is going to be in the winning lineup like a third of the time, like 35% of the time or so. And I just told you he's 15% owned. So there's massive leverage there. Like Alexander Madison is not the best play on the entire week at the running back position, but I'd say he's a top three play at the running back position for all formats, for, for cash, for large field GPPs, for small field. So there's going to be some ownership there, but not an overwhelming amount. The next man on this list is not going to be as highly owned because he's dealing with injury, but he's expected to play. And that's just going to be Daryl Henderson Jr. Now, I don't think he's going to be as good of a leverage play, quite honestly, because I I think there's so many guys in this price range that none of them, none of them are going to pop off as this is the obvious play to win you the slate, right? I don't think any of them are going to be in that range. Like you're going to see other guys in this price range of Daryl Henderson. You're going to see Elijah Mitchell, James Conner, David Montgomery, Antonio Gibson. Like all these guys are there that they all have a decent chance of winning you the slate. Some of them may pop off a little bit more. Henderson's not one of them, but Henderson, 20 opportunities last week against the Packers, continues to see all the passing game usage, all the routes run, all the red zone usage on this team, continues to operate as like a borderline top five opportunity share running back and he's coming in with decent ownership and oh yeah he's the largest favorite on the slate a 12 and a half point favorite with the second highest team total and now he gets Jacksonville so if you're not playing you're more likely I'm not putting Henderson in my my Ram stacks if you're not playing the Ram stacks there is a much much higher chance that you should be going to Henderson Henderson is fantastic leverage off of the Ram stacks I currently have Daryl Henderson Jr. in my projections on Patreon coming in for like a 12% ownership number so he's going to look good you scroll down to guys who are similarly priced Elijah Mitchell James Conner this is the guy that I like a lot more. I would say that both James Conner and Elijah Mitchell, I would take over Daryl Henderson because one, I do like the Ram stacks more, so I'm just not going to get there as much. But the second reason being ownership and leverage that you'll get on these guys. Elijah Mitchell has continued to see now 30 plus opportunities in a couple of straight games. He's getting the passing game work. Trey Sermon is hurt, although I don't think that means much, but he's getting the passing game work. Debo's no longer there. It is a tougher matchup, but somebody asked me in the Discord, aren't you worried about eight man boxes that Seattle's going to run? Elijah Mitchell leads this slate amongst all running backs in the highest amount of eight man boxes that he sees. The team Teams know San Fran wants to run the ball. And it quite honestly has not mattered because Kyle Shanahan is great with his running scheme. They run so damn often that when he gets 30 attempts, he's just getting you there in general. And he's getting the touchdowns, the red zone usage, and now he's getting the passing game usage. So yeah, if Seattle goes eight-man boxes, which it's it's rarely like eight, it's more so like seven or six-man boxes. They bring an extra man into the box. If they're going to do that, it's nothing different than what he's already been seeing and producing in previous weeks. And again, because of all these players that are on this screen going to be priced around Elijah Mitchell, you're not going to see overwhelming ownership. I currently have Elijah Mitchell coming in for 12% projected ownership. And I think that that number should be closer to about 20%, 18% somewhere in there. Similar things can be said for James Conner, especially if Kyler Murray, who is trending to play, can play this week. I think that James Conner is probably a top five running back play on the week. You have your Alexander Madison's. I think Elijah Mitchell falls into that category. And James Conner is somewhere between like three 
three and five in that list because I think that he has a clearly high ceiling. He's seeing all the opportunity share in this backfield, scratching Eno Benjamin for like three carries and maybe a target in this game. The rest of it, 18 to 20 plus opportunities and probably 20 plus based on what we've been seeing, is going to go James Conner's way. James Conner, who I currently have projecting out for like 18 and a half fantasy points, one of my top value running backs. The ownership is going to be there, though. That's the thing. Like, you're not going to have insane leverage on James Conner because he's going to come in as like a 16 to 18% on running back. But it's at least going to be maybe 5 to 10% less than Jonathan Taylor's ownership. And it's going to be less than it should be. Like, James Conner should probably be 22 to 25% owned this week. He won't be because of the other names around him. You keep going down, David Montgomery comes in. He'll be a little bit of a leverage play for the exact same reasons as he's a little bit cheaper than Conner and Mitchell. So you get a little bit of a price discount there. He's coming into this game as an underdog, which isn't great to see. But he does get the number 31 ranked run defense in Arizona. So if we're talking about from a leverage standpoint, not as much leverage is going to come to, I would say, David Montgomery than maybe an Elijah Mitchell and a James Conner. But you get the price discount is where the bonus comes in there and the nice matchup and now who i would say is the best player in the entire week is jamal williams you don't have to overthink this one god godwin wukabuk is like I, i'm butchering that last name he played in the preseason he was a four-year safety in college and never played running back so he definitely does not know how to pass protect properly jamar jefferson their backup who was decent in college although slow not that athletic he's out deandre swift is out so leaves jamal williams a guy that coaches love a guy that this coaching staff loves they gave 20 opportunities in in two and a half quarters last week with no deandre swift to jamal williams he has dominated in the Packers with the Packers in the past and I know it's a different team but similar foe if you will in this divisional matchup against Minnesota who doesn't have a great run defense and a solid pass catching running back in Jamal Williams who is only backup is a man who played safety in college for four years yes Jamal Williams even though he's a decent sized underdog I think that only leads to him running 25 routes potentially in this game seeing six or seven targets from the check down master and Jared Goff and the other thing is his price point so the price point's just going to make it even better it's no secret Jamal Williams will probably be I'll say that it's going to be Jonathan Taylor the highest on running back this week maybe James Conner and Alexander Madison, and then Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams, in my opinion, should be close to 40% owned this week. He will never be 40% owned unless you're playing in a small field contest. I could pretty much say Jamal Williams will probably be my highest on running back this week. I have Jamal Williams as my number one value. I have Jamal Williams currently coming in and currently projecting out for, I believe, 15% ownership. Let's see where he is. $5,400 Jamal Williams. I have for 20% ownership right now. I think that that's going to still be too low. I have Jamal Williams as a play that gets into winning lineups close to 40% of the time this week. Looks like a slam dunk. It, it, you want to get leverage off of players. Um, and that's fine if you don't want to play Jamal Williams. There's so many guys like David Montgomery, like Elijah Mitchell, if you can afford them. But if there was a free square, especially as a cash player, it would be Jamal Williams just because there's no other threat of touches. It's, it's hard not to get those touches at this price tag. If there was a guy to leverage off of him with, it would be this player. This player is a yes for me for one reason only. Leverage, 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 and that's it. His name is Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders last week was dominating, almost seven yards per touch. This running game is so fantastic. And then he got hurt. He basically didn't play the entire second half. He had like 50 total yards, like seven fantasy points at half. He would have hit the 100 yard bonus probably he would have gotten you somewhere around 20 fantasy points but he got hurt and he did not Jordan Howard is not trending in the right direction I know Boston Scott was highly involved last week but what you're hoping and Boston Scott's going to remain involved they'll probably see 10 or 12 carries you're hoping that the 16 carries and the two catches that Miles Sanders gets either finds the end zone or hits the 100 yard bonus for a team in the Eagles that continues to want to run the ball a ton and what do they have this week oh the number one matchup in football for running backs against the New York Jets they're seven point favorites you're rarely going to find the Eagles being a seven point favorite with a 26 implied team total oh yes Jalen Hurts can still not throw the ball maybe this offseason he can and, and I hope so I like the guy I, I'm rooting for him but for Miles Sanders and, and even Boston Scott at his price tag if Sanders can come back from this injury he starts to look really fucking good at $5,200 as a leverage play who let people down last week and I mean you're gonna get 20 something percent on Jamal Williams Miles Sanders is gonna be like four percent on this week all the leverage in the world on that man in GPPs and now the remainder of the running backs you might be saying oh why don't you like these guys they're on here as an interest of mine there's just reasons I don't like them as much Jonathan Taylor I don't like as much because I like Cooper Cup who I have projected for basically at this point
points, similar fantasy points, and a lot less ownership. Jonathan Taylor is going to be highly owned. It's not going to be anything bad, though. If you want to play Jonathan Taylor, he still projects out as, to me, a top five running back play. Uh, I honestly can make him a yes. There's not much there. Just trying to differentiate between him and some other players. If you force me to choose Cooper Cup at wide receiver or Taylor, I would choose Taylor. Uh, Austin Eckler, want to get there. Love the game environment. He's just coming in over-owned for me right now to commit to. Similar things can be said for Joe Mixon coming in a little bit over-owned as their price tags continue to rise. Leonard Fournette and Cordell Patterson. I'll definitely take Leonard Fournette there, especially if you're not playing pay, uh, the, the Patriots, but uh, former team of the Patriots, Tampa Bay Stacks. I think that Fournette becomes more appealing. Obviously, 11-point favorite. Things there start to stand out. The problem is he's picking up ownership. He's 16% owned right now. If that drops like 10 to 12%, you're going to see me put a yes on Fournette. Uh, and then the final guys on here, Antonio Gibson. I think he's coming in over-owned. I don't think he's going to see this massive passing game role that people are expecting. And with other guys in that price range all standing out, I'll take Elijah Mitchell, James Conner, and Jamal Williams in the price range. Uh, same thing can be said for James Robinson as a massive underdog in a terrible spot with a bad team total. The only other guy on here worth a damn if you're trying to punt below 5K is DJ Dallas. But I mean, that probably lines up for you seeing like eight to 10 touches and not having a good day. Just go to Miles Sanders for a similarly low on player. Let's actually do it live on the stream together. DJ Dallas, get out of here. You're now a no. So that's the quarterbacks of the running backs. I'm trying to emphasize it even more for this week. That is very, very ownership dependent. Everybody's going to want to play Jonathan Taylor. I get it. A lot of people are going to play Alexander Madison's and James Connors and, and Jamal Williams. And like we said, some of those guys are, are, are really good plays. They're still leverage plays based on what their price tag is, but you have to be able to find the proper leverage plays depending on your contest. And that's why some Miles Sanders guys will stand out. That's how some other positional players will stand out. And that's where the biggest thing at wide receiver is going to be leverage. You're going to see a lot of names on here as yeses that you're like, how do you like that guy? He's been doing nothing. His quarterback stinks. Their team total is bad. Well, we're going to talk about it. Maybe it's because they're a runback option. Maybe it's because their underlying usage has actually looked really freaking good. They're just not getting there. And then probably the biggest reason why I like them is because their ownership is not coming in and their chances of actually being in an optimal lineup because of what their ceiling is, is, is much higher than what the ownership is going to be indicating. And we can start up top and there's some names up here, some great players. Cooper Cup is, is the most obvious one to me. I think Cooper Cup is an elite leverage play this week. He is one of the best game environments. He has one of the best stacking opportunities. And you're saying, what do you mean a leverage play? I think Cooper Cup gets in the winning lineup about 33% of the time, 30% of the time this week in optimals. And I think he's going to come in at like 16% projected ownership. I currently have him coming in at 18% and that might be high. People are going to go to Jonathan Taylor. They're not going to be able to afford both and they're not going to play as much Matthew Stafford stacks. And there you go, especially because Cooper Cup didn't hit the 100 yard bonus by four yards last week. He's let somewhat people down when they played him last week. So I continue to love Cooper Cup. I think he looks great. Jamar Chase, one of my favorite leverage players in the entire week. If Jamar Chase is going to stay 5% owned with a 27 implied team total and people don't want to go to Jamar Chase because lately it's been T Higgins. I get it. T Higgins is if you play cash games, T Higgins is the better play. We're talking about winning GPPs. A 10% on T Higgins is not as good of a, a play as a 5% on Jamar Chase. And for the people that are saying, but he's hitting the rookie wall. He hasn't gotten you there in three weeks. I mean, what about the first six weeks of the season when he was a rookie? Fresh out the box a rookie, right? And he starts off his career with 21 fantasy points, 13, 22 and a half, 14, 31, 14, 37, right? Every single week getting you there and then 13, right? And then these past couple of weeks, he's gotten you seven points, 13 points and nine points. I mean, the 13 points isn't terrible. The price point obviously makes it look a little bit worse, but here's the thing. The volume has been there, right? 10, nine, 13, six targets. I think he's completely fine right now. The ownership is the reason I want to play Jamar Chase and the game environment. If you're playing a Justin Herbert sack, I want Jamar Chase over T Higgins. I want to try and afford it that way. I like the leverage we're getting there. Uh, Deontay Johnson, he's not going to be much of a leverage play. He's just a fine play. It's just because he's getting 13 targets a week at this point. I mean, week in and week out, he's the most targeted wide receiver over his last 20 healthy games, more so than Devontae Adams, more so than Keenan Allen over his last 20 games. His quarterback stinks. He's not getting downfield targets, but he's just a solid play. I would say that you're not getting much leverage on him. Like there's way more leverage on Jamar Chase. I probably prefer Jamar Chase to Deontay Johnson this week. Again, if you're playing cash games, go Deontay Johnson, but that's where I'm at from a GPP standpoint. If DeAndre Hopkins is healthy, he's a smash. $6,200 DeAndre Hopkins. People won't want to play him because he's been hurt. You haven't seen him.
him in a while. Uh, murkiness on Kyler. If he's healthy and he's playing and Kyler's out there, go DeAndre Hopkins. Don't overthink it. This is the one that a lot of people might scratch their head at. But I'm going to be saying Chase Claypool is a great play this week. Similar reasons as to why Jamar Chase is a great play, except Claypool is cheaper, and I understand that his quarterback stinks. But Chase Claypool's opportunities lately have been fantastic. He's seen 17 targets over his last uh, two games. He has now, I believe, seen eight red zone targets over his last four and a half games, and he's kind of playing well very quietly. $6,000 Chase Claypool has had 128 and 126 air yards over his last two games. He's seen 14 and a half and 11.2 fantasy points without finding the end zone on good volume. 38 routes run and 42 routes run coming off of a 100% of the snaps game where he did not leave the field in two wide receiver sets. The underlying stats for Chase Claypool against a Baltimore secondary that has not been good are very nice. So the underlying stats are starting to look nice on Chase Claypool, and then you start to look into some things. Chase Claypool is only projecting out right now for me for 4% projected ownership. Well, that starts to look really nice. So I think that Chase Claypool, like a Jamar Chase, except $1,000 cheaper, is one of the better leverage plays on the slate. His team is going to be an underdog in this one by three and a half points. Maybe even Big Ben starts to throw 40 more times. I get it. Big Ben has looked terrible. That is a whole nother reason as to why it even gives us a better opportunity. If Big Ben has been looking good, Chase Claypool is not putting up nine... The worst game Big Ben could ever have was last week. If you ever watched that game, it was terrible. Chase Claypool, 128 year air yards and 82 receiving yards, right? On nine tar- on eight targets. That's the worst game. And he still puts 11.2 points. Imagine if Big Ben played well last week. Chase Claypool at $6,000 would be 15% owned this week, right? He's going to be 3 or 4% owned this week. And all you need is... Big Ben, one decent game. That's it. Not even decent. Just even if it's the worst in the world, just find the end zone. Chase Claypool, the man is 240 pounds, 6'4", and an athletic size, speed, this DK Metcalf, AJ Brown type build. I like Chase Claypool a good amount, especially for leverage this week. You probably haven't heard me say his name in a while. He is a good play. Some of like the traditional players, if you will, this whole price range looks good. 6K Chase Claypool. Brandon Cooks is going to be a a little bit lower on for letting people down. He still has an insanely high target share. T Higgins. We said we like Jamar Chase better for GPPs. Higgins is still a strong play, especially if you're double stacking uh, the Baltimore or the uh, Cincinnati in Chargers game. You double stack T Higgins, Jamar Chase. Great. In cash games, go T Higgins for $1,200 less. He looks good. He is still the leading target guy on this team. It's obvious. He looks very good. I've talked about Hunter Renfro as being the main way to stack up a Derek Carr stack. Hunter Renfro continues to be my number one projected wide receiver right now this week in terms of not points, but in terms of value. People just still don't want to commit to him. Michael Pittman in that game environment looks like a good projection. He's a top five projected player. He never sees a lot of volume. He's probably going to need a touchdown to really win you a slate, but obviously he can get that and he continues to see red zone targets every single week. Mike Williams is another man who's in this range. I, I feel more confident, believe it or not, even though Mike Williams has Justin Herbert, I feel more confident in the leverage play of Jamar Chase and Chase Claypool. But Mike Williams finds himself in a very similar way as Jamar Chase and Chase Claypool. These guys who have massive upside are seeing very nice underlying stats, if anything, have produced earlier in the year like Mike Williams, but they're coming in lower owned because other guys in their price range, like a Michael Pittman, like a T. Higgins, they're going to be picking up more ownership there. I Again, I prefer Chase, uh, Jamar Chase. I prefer Chase Claypool, but Mike Williams would be next up. The problem with Mike Williams is we haven't been seeing the air yards. He has not topped 100 air yards since week five when he blew up against Cleveland. So that's the problem. And, and a reason why is this Chargers receiving or this Chargers offensive line right now is just not holding up. It's not holding up, so it's not giving time to find Mike Williams down the field. Some of his routes are getting cut off because of that, so it's not as great. So just keep that in mind, but his odds of being in a winning lineup, if they're 7 or 8%, he's going to be like 3 or 4% on this week, so he starts to look pretty good. And then some of my final priorities, if you will, I've talked about the Rams. All of their receivers are going to be lower on. I'll take Odell coming off of a good game. He's dealing with a groin injury, but he's expected to play a great team imply total. He's going to take on this Robert Woods role. He's going to continue to see these six to 10 plus target games in a great matchup. And now that his price point has come up, he's not picking up ownership. I have him currently projecting out for 5% ownership with an 11% chance to make the winning lineup. I like that a lot. Van Jefferson, similar things, although Van Jefferson, I have for a lower projection. 
Um, similarly, low owned four or five percent. I'll prefer uh, Odell if I had to choose one. Some other guys to monitor here. Corey Davis is just going really low owned, like a two or three percent Corey Davis. I'll throw some flyers on against Philadelphia in a catch up mode. Davis has actually had some success with Zach Wilson. Much prefer Sterling Shepard if he's actually out there. He's dealing with injuries, so is Daniel Jones. So a murky situation there. But Sterling Shepard looks like the best four thousand dollar receiver play if he plays. These two names, though, you might be saying, oh, why are these names on here, Sal? Marvin Jones hasn't done anything lately. And that's completely correct. Marvin Jones hasn't done anything, but Marvin Jones this week is facing the Rams. And if you're playing a lot of Rams stacks, you need somebody to run it back with. I personally don't want to run it back with all that much James Robinson. You can. I don't want to at his price tag. I'd rather run it back with somebody who's a little bit cheaper. So tight end James O'Shaughnessy screams out, but also has a ceiling. I don't think James O'Shaughnessy has a ceiling. Who I do think has a decent ceiling is Marvin Jones. And Marvin Jones, although he's not producing for you, he's still seeing the volume. 10, 7, 5, 6, 6, 7 targets over these last couple of weeks. If they are indeed going to be down big in this game and you want to run it back, you don't have to run back the Ram stacks. Marvin Jones would be my favorite run back option on Jacksonville to hit a ceiling outcome. Other than that, yeah, just put punt tight end James O'Shaughnessy in there if you really want to. I don't think you're correlating a ceiling performance though in that case. Speaking of ceiling performances, Deshaun Jackson is going to be 1% on this week. It would be a crime. And when I put Deshaun Jackson on here as a yes, this is, that does not mean go out of your way to play Deshaun Jackson. It means out of all the other $3,000 receivers and low 4K receivers, I think Deshaun Jackson is the best option at 1% owned. He has now seen his snaps and routes run increase every single week and they hit a, a high, a 50% snaps on Thanksgiving. I think they're only going to continue to go up because he brought success to the offense on his four targets in 22 rounds. He went from 18 to 35 to 51% of the snaps. They continue to go up. If you get Deshaun Jackson playing like a 65% of the snaps role, running 30 routes, he is going to produce at a $4,200 price tag a lot of the time. He will eventually be a $5,000 receiver, so it's kind of a buy low spot on Deshaun Jackson. And the bigger thing for Deshaun Jackson is if he's going to be 1% owned, he probably has a 5 or 6% chance if Again, another big touchdown comes of being in the winning lineup. Again, the, the name of the game of DFS, leverage. That's what that would give you. A bunch of wide receivers will then be on there. The reasons I don't have as much interest in them is either price or leverage. So like a bunch of guys are in, in here for stacking reasons. Keenan Allen, 7,500. He looks great, obviously, if you, especially if you want the Herbert stacks. He's going to be owned though. He's going to be 18% owned. So there's not as much leverage there. Same thing can be said for Chris Goblin, going to be owned. Jalen Waddle picking up ownership, going to be owned. Justin Jefferson, just a tough price to get to, uh, depending on how you want to play that game. If you're going to be playing Kirk Cousins, obviously you play Jefferson. I like him. It just depends on what you're doing for stacks. These guys I get to less often. Look at that. The punch through the screen. I get through less often into single entry lineups is just kind of one-offs. But if you're playing their quarterback, easy to stack. Like if you're playing Brady stacks, yeah, you're probably gonna have some Goblin and Evans. We talked about though liking Gronk more there. Uh, the Seattle guys, it is what it is. They're, they're playing at an extremely slow pace, playing a team in San Fran that wants to run the ball 40 times. This would be the week of all weeks to try and get leverage on them, but they just don't project out good and their price points aren't coming down, even though their offense is still playing slow. The price points aren't adjusting to how bad the situation is for these guys. And for that reason, reason it's hard to be over the field or even really strongly interested in them. Brandon Ayuk should be the wide receiver one out there. The problem is it's such a slow paced game. It's tough to like him when there's so many other guys around this price point in better game environments like a Mike Williams, like a Michael Pittman in terms of his team environment. Darius Tony is leaning now to maybe not play again. So we'll see what happens there. Russell Gage really only in runbacks. If you want to get there, I'm not too high on that. Tyler Boyd only in your Cincinnati groups. I think he does offer some leverage. And then if you're looking for punt $3,000 wide receivers, none of them look like great plays. I mean, Quez Watkins, you're hoping for a Hail Mary touchdown, but it's the matchup to do it against the Jets. Zach Pascal, you're hoping for these touchdowns in the red zone. I would say that the best options are probably Josh Reynolds, operated as the wide receiver one the last two weeks for the Lions. You saw it pay off last week with a nice target share. He's 3,400 against Minnesota in a play from behind environment. And then guys who are just going to be out there. Juwan Jennings will be out there filling in for Debo. Laquan Treble is going to be, continue to be the wide receiver two on the outside for Jacksonville. If you're trying to punt a guy, I'd rather punt 
the tight end James O'Shaughnessy in those Rams stacks. But yeah, I mean, the best play in the $3,000 range is probably Josh Reynolds. Other than that, I'll go up to Deshaun Jackson or Marvin Jones. So lots of interesting ways to go this week. Lots of interesting names to call out there and discuss. And, and I'll talk about some more right now quickly. We can go a little bit deeper on it. We're going to finish up with tight ends, but I'll talk about some more from some of the props I've taken on some of these wide receivers. So I've taken Jamar Chase. We've talked about these players like Jamar Chase over 59 and a half receiving yards. I took that in another video. Same thing for Cooper Cup over 88 and a half. I like him a lot. This is like the third time I'm taking these bets on Cooper Cup. I like them a lot. And the last one I'll talk about is the under on Austin Eckler's 49 and a half rushing yards. Now this is nothing against Austin Eckler. I like Austin Eckler. I just know that this team does not like running the ball. Like if Austin Eckler sees a 10 carry to 12 carry game, it's like a great day for Austin Eckler on the ground, right? Like let's look at his last month of overall touches on the ground. 12, 11, 11, 17 against Philadelphia. That was a big one, right? And 11. So for the most part, you can probably expect 12 attempts on the ground on average for Austin Eckler, which to hit this number, he's probably gonna have to average somewhere around five yards per carry. His true yards per carry this year is about 4.4 yards. So this is probably an efficient number, but I expect them to get there way more through the receiving game. I expect as their underdogs in this game to play a little bit more from behind. So I think that's why these eight, seven, six, 10 target games you're seeing. I expect that Austin Eckler, if you play him this week, which I think he's going to be over-owned, so I'm not going to get as much. If you play him, he gets there through the air. Uh, 49 and a half will take the under on that number. And we'll combine these three together. I believe I put $50 on this one to try and win like uh, 150 somewhere along those lines. So this is on pricepicks.com. You can take your props. Again, take advantage of the free bet up to $100. Go check it out down below. Now, tight ends is the final place that we can get to. And we'll finish up this show with tight ends. And I'm really, for the most part, just looking for leverage plays here, right? So I'm only for the, like, I'll look around at some other things if I think there's upside, but I really just want to look at for leverage at tight end. I either want to play those leverage plays in a stack, or I just want to take them as a one-off. So George Kittle is just going to be a one-off leverage play. He's going to be an elite leverage play this week. He's expensive. It's harder to get to him as everybody wants Cooper Cup or Jonathan Taylor or Joe Mixon or Alexander Madison or Tom Brady or Matt Stafford. Like it's expensive. It's hard to get to the expensive tight ends. And George Kittle letting everybody down last week is going to be a reason why with no Debo Samuel this week, and they're not going to run the ball 45 times every week, San Francisco, but it's going to be a reason great matchup for him as to why he goes insanely underowned. like George Kittle might only be like eight or 10% on this week on a slate where there's not a lot of elite tight ends. There's no Waller. He's probably gonna be hurt. There's no Kelsey. Kyle Pitts is not playing as well. George Kittle probably has like a 15 to 20% chance of being the winning tight end, the highest scoring tight end, all that type of stuff. He's coming off of a game with two targets. He has now scored uh, two fantasy points and 13 fantasy points in his last two games. People aren't going to want to go there, even though 13 fantasy points isn't terrible. And they won't look the week before when he scored 16 and 20, when they were forced to throw a little bit, uh, getting 15 targets in those two weeks. Kittle is likely a top two or top three leverage play in the week. Rob Gronkowski will not be a great leverage play. He will be owned. But if you put him in your Tom Brady stacks, he's my first priority there. He'll continue to see these nice targets and zone defenses, which they should continue to see and in a good matchup Gronk should keep getting fed Higby might be the best leverage play in the slate at the tight end position it's either him or Kittle and it's because he's just running so many routes I put a tweet out there that Tyler Higby is running 40 routes per week over his last four games he is continuing to see a lot of good work he's seeing touchdowns he's scoring these mid-teens or 10 11 12 fantasy points and last week against the Packers he catches one pass for three yards on 37 routes run it was a bad game yes but the volume was still there the usage was still there there's still no Robert Woods this is a great game environment for a, a pretty cheap tight end $3,800 and he's going to be involved you know they're going to put up touchdowns, so the touchdown upside is there. He's going to run 35 routes. The Tyler Higby four-catch, 40-yard, and one or two touchdowns, and maybe two-touchdown game is coming. It's coming, and he's going to be low-owned when it happens if it happens this week. It makes for a really nice leverage play. I like Tyler Higby a lot because of that reason. And then the punt tight ends. If you're just looking to straight-up punt, Foster Moreau will be higher-owned than James O'Shaughnessy. I think you get more leverage on James O'Shaughnessy. I think both are strong plays. Moreau has a much better 
team environment. Moreo probably has a better, uh, definitely has a better quarterback and a better matchup at this time. So I would say Foster Moreo has a higher chance of being in the winning lineup, but James O'Shaughnessy, like Moreo is going to be like 12% owned with like an 8% chance of being in the winning lineup. So he's over owned. You're getting negative leverage, but it's still a decent chance of being in the winning lineup. James O'Shaughnessy will probably be like 6% owned with like a 7% chance of being in the winning lineup. So you get some leverage there. So they both look like good plays. Depends on the lineup you're playing. Um, I like both of them. Just kind of up to you. After that, the only other tight ends are just good tight ends who have some leverage on them. Kyle Pitts, runbacks if you want to go there. That hasn't looked great, but price point isn't changing either. So it's similar to like those Seattle guys. Price point's not changing. Hasn't looked great. So why why go there, right? Jared Cook in, in your stacks of the Chargers. CJ Zoma in your stacks of Cincinnati. And then just some leverage plays. Dallas Goddard will give you some leverage. Mike Gusecki and TJ Hawkinson will give you some leverage. I do prefer just going up to George Kittle. I do prefer Rob Gronkowski in those ranges. But if you're in those ranges, because Gronk's there, TJ Hawkinson and Mike Gusecki will definitely be lower owned. Hawkinson in a run back of a Minnesota stack it seems like a really decent large field GBP build. But other than that, tight end is pretty simple. You're either punting this week, you're, you're playing Tyler Higby in your Rams stacks, or you're just paying up and you're going to George Kittle as an insane leverage this week, or you're going to Gronk in your in your Tampa Bay stacks. That's kind of the way that I'm personally playing tight end this week. There's one clear guy to pay up for. There's Gronk and Higby in those specific stats that will be, especially Higby, insane leverage. A one-off on Higby isn't a, a terrible idea either. Just harder this week when there's tight ends for $1,000 less who are going to see similar passing game usage like Moreo, six targets maybe, and James O'Shaughnessy. But there we go. There is the final thoughts on week 13. We will have a that one dude, the top leverage plays of the week video coming out Saturday morning, Sunday morning live stream for all the beautiful people out there. Come on into the community on Patreon if you'd like to. All the tools, all the analysis, all the ways to dominate these slates and win the dollar ruskies. Come join the community. Optimizers, ownership projections, rankings, Discord access, and a whole lot more, especially for other sports. Come on in down below. Appreciate you being here. Support that sponsor of the program today. That sponsor, pricepicks.com. Your free bet up to $100 to use the code SAL. Take the props, take the free bets, and win the dollar, dollar bills, the dollar ruskies, y'all. Alrighty, gang, I'll see you when I see you, and I will see you then in the next one. Can't wait to see you there. Can't wait to have you. It's been a fun time. Take care and brush your motherfucking hair.